Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about why your dates find you boring. This is a male and female problem, and people come in and they say that they just are not clicking with people on dates because they think that they can't hold the person's interest. And uh, we will talk about why this happens and what to do about it just as soon as I encourage you to subscribe because uh, you got about 125 or more by the time you hear this subscriber episodes. The most recent one was when your wife won't go back to work. All right, so then moving to the the boring issue. So I work with a lot of people who are, you know, divorced and and re, and dating, some people that are single and dating. Um and I'm not going to lie. I mean, sometimes people are right that they're boring. Like, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> you could be right about a lot of things about yourself. You could have insight. If you see that people frequently look away and they look at the clock or they look at their phone or they're just not really laughing at things you thought were funny, they're not really, they don't care to ask follow-up questions and then you don't get other dates, I mean, it may truly be because you're boring. Like, that's not like the worst thing in the world. It's not like being an asshole. But, you know, there's some things that you could do about it if you understand what it means. So what boring basically means is that you are not making people feel any good feelings by talking to you. So a lot of guys in particular and more avoidant women tend to use a lot of facts when they talk. Like they think that they will be interesting. Little boys do this a lot. <laughs> um, particularly little boys who like reading little facts books and like learning all about, you know, some topic or whatever. Men are just generally more uh, fact-based than women in their communication style. So, uh, you know, like a little boy will like be like, do you know, like all these things about this kind of dinosaur, you know, and they'll really feel like this is an interesting conversation, man, this is a cool dinosaur. But, you know, as a parent, it can be boring, right? Because you don't care. And if you really wanted to know about the dinosaur, you would look up dinosaurs and you would learn all that information in about two seconds. So what you do is you sit there because you love your son. But if you're on a first date and you're doing like the equivalent of talking about dinosaurs, then, you know, it's not going to be very engaging or interesting and it's not going to really cause any positive feelings in the person. So frequently men and more avoidant women, they think that a person is talking to them to gain value, to gain some sort of extra knowledge or to be edified in some way about a topic. So particularly people that are socially kind of anxious, they think like that somebody would think that it's boring to talk to them if they didn't really learn anything. And that's exactly the wrong way to look at it because learning is boring. Remember school, you know? So like if if you didn't sign up for like a crash course in something, then you don't really want to learn about it probably, you know? And instead, what you wish that there was was more of a back and forth that made you feel um, positive and uh, flirtatious and good. So when you're learning a bunch of shit, you either feel bored or possibly interested in the topic, but not really interested in the person, you know, because everybody can remember having professors in college that knew a lot about their topic. You would never have doubted that, but they were super boring. But then there were other professors that maybe even knew less about their topic, but they were very engaging and you felt good going in there. 
why. Maybe they were funny, but um, you, you certainly can't make yourself funnier. Or if you can, I don't really know how you would do that. Maybe you could look that up on YouTube. But what you can do is make yourself um, have more personal uh, discussion in your discussions. <laughs> there can be a person there. So the people that relate things to themselves and their feelings are generally thought to be more interesting and engaging. Also, people who are curious about the other person are generally thought to be more interesting and engaging, even if they don't disclose much about themselves. So why do I say men and more avoidant women? Because avoidant women kind of don't feel very comfortable talking about their feelings and then men generally as I said think that facts are more interesting so like they could go back and forth with like some other dude about like all the details of like their Teslas or something you know but a woman isn't going to be really interested in that conversation because it doesn't really make you feel any kind of way except that now you know more about a Tesla which again you could just google so if you cared, which you may not. So so women who have trouble talking about their feelings tend to be perceived by men as aloof or not interested or boring. And so how how do I mean? So people say that they like when I do things in real time to give examples. So if you're a guy, like guys like to, you know, talk about where they travel to. They think this makes them interesting. It doesn't really make you interesting. You know, It your travel destination could sound interesting, but that does not make the woman more interested in you unless literally she is just with you because you can provide travel experiences, which is not what most men want, is a woman who's just with you because literally by listening to you, she understands that you can afford travel, you know, and will go on travel, you know, experiences with her. You want somebody who likes you, who's attracted to you. Right. So instead of saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'll tell you about my summer in Italy. We went to this place and I went to this place and then I went to this place. And then I did this extreme sport and then I did this extreme sport at this destination. And then I did this hobby at this other place. And then at this place, I did this thing. And at this thing, I did this thing. So already, like she wants to stab herself with a fork, you know, like she just wants to be done with that date yesterday. So instead, you would say, oh, I went to, I mean, you could talk about Italy. You could talk about the exact same thing. I went to Italy and it made me feel like I really missed out, you know, those years that, that my ex-wife and I, we didn't travel. And then when we got divorced, I said to myself, you know, you, you only live once. You really want to see some places before you die, you know, and, and you want to make the, the most of your 40s. And I, when I got there, when I got to Italy, I really felt, you know, that this is who I, who I want to be. I want to be an adventurous person. These are my values at this point in my life. I want to kind of learn about the world around me. I want to be able to take my vacation days, you know, and not just devote myself just utterly to my work like I had been doing. Now, that's some shit that a woman finds fascinating. She finds that interesting. You're sharing feelings. You're talking about who you are. You're talking about your values, what you feel and what you think and what is important to you. So while anybody could have gone from X destination to X destination in, in Italy and done the exact same itinerary as you, nobody else is going to have the exact same inner world as you. And that's what makes you unique. And that's what makes you special. That's what will make you interesting to a woman because she is feeling connected to you. When you share about your thoughts and feelings, 
people feel connected to you, you know, and that is a positive, warm experience instead of you just teaching a class about Italy, which she did not sign up to take. And she'll nod and she'll smile, but she won't want to go out again if you're boring. And this is what happens to a lot of people. You know, and so as a woman, sometimes you could fall into the trap because I said before, ask questions about the person. Yeah, definitely ask questions about the person, but particularly socially anxious or avoidant women can fall into the trap of only asking questions about the person and never talking about themselves. So it's really nice to say, oh, tell me more about yourself. Tell me more about your kids. Tell me more about, you know, like your job. That's great. But if literally that's all you do and it's an interview and you never, never share about yourself, then the person will leave feeling like they kind of didn't really even go on a date, you know, like they were on a date with a robot who just was primed to like ask them leading questions. And this can be, if you are already thinking that you're boring, then this can be something that's hard to break because you always think, well, shit, I'm boring. So I should just keep on, you know, moving the conversation back to them. But no, what should you do? What did I teach you? You should do thoughts and feelings and values. Talking about yourself is good. That does make people more interested in you. The deeper you go, the more interested people are in you. Now, if you have a lot of trouble doing that, obviously what helps? Therapy helps. Reading books about, you know, the books I recommend you to read help. You know, because some people really were raised in homes where nobody ever talked about feelings. And quite honestly, they remember those as fairly boring, cold homes. You know, and they say things like, you know, I'm 50 years old. My mother is 70 years old and I don't really know her. You know, I talk to her weekly, but I don't really know who she is as a person. So people that would be raised in that sort of situation by a parent that did not disclose a lot about their own emotions, they feel like they don't really know their parent. And also they never really learned how to express and convey what they themselves are thinking or feeling. Because if a parent is uncomfortable around emotion, then they're not really going to ask you much. They're going to ask you what you did today, what you're doing tomorrow, what you're studying, you know, and so then you learn to only interact in those ways. But if a parent asked you, like, what are you feeling about X, Y, Z? Um, why aren't you friends with so-and-so anymore? Like, wh- why did you change your major? Like, what are you thinking about long-term for, you know, your relationship with your girlfriend? Which are questions that people who are uncomfortable with emotions would never ask their kid. If you had had a parent that did that, and of course, it's not their fault that they didn't. They didn't know how. They weren't raised to do that. They were probably better with emotions than they got growing up, you know. But either way, you then would never learn that anybody's interested in your emotions because nobody was interested in your emotions, you know, because they were uncomfortable with emotions. So the number one way to really, you know, stop people from being bored, and and some people really think, oh, they overestimate how boring they are, and actually people find them to be more engaging than they are, but, you know, some people are boring, Just like some people are mean and some people are nice and whatever, whatever. People have ways of uh, interacting that are more or less engaging. And one that is much less engaging is when people cannot discuss their feelings, values, or thoughts. Everything is very surface. So what I try to say to people is, is if somebody could get the same information from a video camera that followed you around 
don't tell them that story. Like you got to go deeper. So if basically a video camera could have followed you around Italy and then your date would know all the information that you gave her on the date about Italy, well, then why the hell is she talking to you? You know, like who like that? You're not even going deeper than what she could have saw if she was in like a GoPro on your head. You know, you want to add something more to that. You want to flesh out a character. Remember like English class? You want to do it. When you read a book, a novel, which many men do not read, and, you know, in fact, it's interesting, literary fiction, so not just like any garbage fire book, but actual good literary fiction, like the stuff that you did read in English class back in the day, has been associated with increases in empathy, such that if somebody reads a work of literary fiction, really any novel that is generally considered quote, good, then it goes deep into the character's motivations, thoughts, and feelings. And if you read more things like this, it actually promotes um, and increases empathy. So this is why I always tell men, you know, if, if they read at all, that the books that they should be reading, in addition to the ones on personal finance, you know, and what have you, are, you know, novels and also, of course, you know, more generally, books on feelings. So either books on psychology, the things that we're actually talking about in therapy, like let's say the book Running on Empty by Jonas Webb about emotional neglect in childhood, which interestingly would be very relevant for most of the people that I'm talking to here, um, or novels, particularly women uh, novels from a woman's perspective. Those are super interesting to men and can teach them more. Uh, one book could teach them more about women than a whole marriage can if you're married to somebody who doesn't really disclose thoughts and feelings. And the other thing is that a lot of people who have a real discomfort with sharing thoughts and feelings were married previously to people who are the same. So the two of them didn't really ever talk about feelings to each other, and that's kind of subconsciously why they picked each other. Anyway, because, you know, both of them stayed in the same comfort zone. Their their first date, second date, they kind of understood that they would be a small talk kind of couple, and that was familiar and comfortable to both of them because they had been raised to both be uncomfortable around emotion. So then a man goes through 20 years of marriage to such a woman that's similar to himself in this domain, and then they divorce, and then he's out on the dating market, and it's like, whoa, what the hell? Like, why these women want to talk about feelings? Let's get back into onto the safety of shore here and, you know, talk about my trip to Italy. Talk about, you know, how, how I'm training for a marathon, like with zero emotion in that, you know, discussion and basically conveying a couch to 5K plan, uh, you know, and, and whatever. So, and, and for women, if they had been married for many years to a man who didn't talk about emotion, then they too could have been either originally emotionally avoidant, as I just discussed, or they could have kind of got out of practice at sharing their emotions because their ex-spouse didn't really care to hear it. So they too have to learn on dates to come forward with what they think or feel. And also what you think or feel about the person. That always makes people feel good to get any sort of compliment and to see that they are affecting you. So if somebody makes a funny comment, don't just like kind of half laugh. Say, wow, you're really funny if the person's really funny. Or if the woman shows up and she's really beautiful, say, wow, I'm, you know, amazed. You're you're so beautiful, even prettier than your pictures. Those are things that people want to hear. And if somebody's uncomfortable with receiving compliments, that's not a good thing. That's a person, like if a woman is uncomfortable receiving compliments about her looks, it's not good about what the future of your sex life is going to be. You want to be saying, 
you want to be closer than you look so beautiful. And if a woman is uncomfortable with physical compliments, I'm not saying she shows up on the first date. You say, hey, man, nice tits. No, but like you should be able to say you're so beautiful and they should really like it. If they don't like it, then that's a discomfort with their physical self. That's not going to be good for later having, you know, a good sex life. But either way, this is the point. You got to come in and you got to lead with some kind of feelings. If you go, and then I did X and then I did Y and then I did X and now I'm planning to do Y and then comes in Z and A and then B and here, let me just draw you a diagram on this napkin. This is what Italy looks like. You know, then you're barking up the wrong tree and there is no feeling being cultivated there except for boredom. So think about, in from this, think about, how you were raised to talk about or not talk about feelings, whether your confidence level is stopping you from engaging with feelings. So like you're much more confident in talking about the geography of Italy than you are in talking about your emotions, which means that you you still do have to go outside your comfort zone and do it, but you're trying to understand why it's been hard for you. You can actually read the book Running on Empty, which would be interesting because it talks about childhood emotional neglect, which is something that definitely has happened to a lot of people who have extreme discomfort with sharing their emotion. And as you go out in the world, whether it's with friends or then with dates or with your kids or anybody, practice sharing more of your feelings in real time. You know, like in in therapy, that's like the most transformative uh, progress that you can make is when I start to talk as the therapist about what I'm experiencing in the room talking to the client. Because frequently, that's the only time they've ever gotten real-time feedback. Uh, That's called interpersonal, you know, therapy. And it's like an approach, but it also should be, it's the hallmark of, of a lot of approaches, psychodynamic and even some behavioral approaches. When when you can observe how the client is interacting in the room and give them real-time feedback, that is transformative. You know, so like, for example, if I feel like I'm trying to ask a client a direct question and they're like wiggling out of it, I will say like, it really seems like you're not comfortable talking about this. Why? And that's like the only person that's going to say that in that person's life. And then they could be like, it could be like a real aha moment. And it is for a lot of clients when the therapist calls out their classic like ways of deflecting or disengaging or, you know, like wiggling out of, of, of something, you know, because you don't get that kind of feedback. But whatever you're doing in the therapy room is probably what you're doing with dates and with your kids and with your friends and what you did growing up and all of that. So therapy can be very, very transformational in this regard because A, it gets you used to talking about your thoughts and feelings, but also whatever ways you have of being kind of unpleasant, quite honestly, to deal with, you know, the therapist will likely bring up in some way or another, you know, like you don't seem to be very open to feedback or like, you know, if I ask you questions about yourself, you tend to seem uncomfortable, you know, and so this can be super helpful in terms of really coaching you about how you come off and how to come off differently if if you're not getting your goals met in your interpersonal interactions, such as you're not getting the second date or the third date or whatever. All right, um, so I hope that you guys found this interesting and I hope that it was uh, new information for at least some of you and I will talk to you all soon. Bye-bye, guys.